The Truth News Network. And now it starts. In a world where the little guy gets told to sit down and shut up, little guys can band together, learn how the big boys play, and beat them soundly at their own game. Throwing the gauntlet as a reminder that not all revolutions are fought with guns. The truth is out, and it's here at TNN. The Truth News Network. With your host, Dan Newman. Welcome to Monday. Welcome to the last three days of the month of June. Wow. Boy, this month has raced by. In fact, this year is racing by. And I think the real reason our perception is that it's racing by. Remember this. Months last the same 30, 31, or sometimes 28 or 29 days. That never changes. I think it's just our circumstances and the way that we view them makes us think that this month's going faster than a previous month. It really doesn't happen. So how was your weekend? Hope it was really good for you. I hope you got enough rest and respite that you're just busting, ready to go to face this new week. Let me just tell you about the show today. Let me tell you about a couple of shows we have going on this week. You're going to meet a very special person tomorrow live here at TNN Live. Sterling Hill is her name. I'm not going to tell you a whole lot about her, but I'm going to tell you regarding all things medically related, including COVID-19, you need to make a point to be here tomorrow to hear her. She'll be here in the first hour around bottom of the hour, 930 Central Time or so. Um, We've got a lot of questions to ask her, but she's got a lot of information we don't see and hear in mainstream media. Now, if you ask somebody about the things she'll tell you about tomorrow, most professionals will say, yeah, she's right on. But it's not being talked about unless somebody makes it a big deal. That, folks, is an exact example of the faux pas of today's mainstream media. They just don't bring us the important things in our lives, or most of the important things in our life, unless we or somebody else gets in their faces and says, specifically, what about this? So we're committed this year, the back half of 2021, we're going to make sure that we put before all of our listeners people that know things, that are very educated, very qualified to give us information, and it's not being presented in many cases because they refuse to do it in a partisan way. They, like we, feel here at Truth News Network is truth, it, it, it doesn't need any interpretation. If you put the truth out there, people get it. And if they don't believe it, intelligent people go find out the truth of a matter. So Sterling Hill here tomorrow morning at 9.30. And then on Friday, Dr. Fleming. I'll tell you more about him as the week goes along. But folks, this guy is a very, very heavy hitter. He is very credible and very reputable across the medical community in the United States and around the world. And he's got some information that if you have hair, it's going to curl it. And if you have hair and it's not already curly, it may fall out from the facts that we get from Dr. Fleming on Friday. More about that later this week. What about today? What are we going to discuss today, folks? Well, let's just begin very sadly by nodding our head at Surfside, Florida. Bunch of people are in bad shapes down there. Um, The official number is still hovering around nine dead from that building, that uh, condo apartment building falling last week. 
but there still are 150 people unaccounted for. And at this late stage, you and I both know that probably means the death toll is going to be 159 when they get it going. I tell you what, those people, they've met their maker, the people that have died there, and it really doesn't do us any good to pray for them now. But what we can do is pray for their families because there's a lot of pain and misery and heartache, and especially not knowing. I mean, sometimes, folks, even when bad things happen, it, it makes it kind of numb if you know all the facts. It's just when you don't know. It brings to mind that young girl that went down to, where was it? In the Caribbean, years ago. And she just mysteriously disappeared. And everybody thinks that she was killed down there, but there's no body, there's no answers, nothing out there. That's got to be way worse than knowing all the details, even if the details tell you that some really bad stuff happened. So let's pray for the family members and the friends of all those people in that building in Surfside, Florida. And let's pray for the people that are down there digging through the rubble, too. They'll be safe, because you can get in a lot of trouble when you've got a big building like that. Just got a message that uh, island in the Caribbean we were referencing is Aruba. Getting facts. That's what it's all about. And we have so many things to weigh in here today. Let me tell you what we're going to deal with specifically. Honestly, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about the president. Joe Biden's doing his thing. It doesn't seem to change from day to day. It seems to be very consistent. Yeah, all the problems there are there. His communication skills are not anywhere close to what they formerly were. And uh, policies, nothing's changed there. We know what is the administration of this presidency, and we know what they believe in, and we know what they're going to push for. They don't hide it. They're very out front with it, just like Donald Trump was when he was campaigning. He told us if we elected him what he would do if he was president of the United States. And he did just that. Joe Biden... Barack Obama, they're the same way. We didn't believe, as we don't believe most candidates when they tell us, here's what I'll do if you elect me. And the reason we don't believe them is because decade after decade, we see others going before them who have promised a bunch of stuff but never done what they promised to do. Biden's taken his hard left. Nobody can argue with that. But you know what's the spooky part of all that? There's a huge number of Americans that are rooting for him to take us even further left. That boggles my mind. I'm sure it does yours too. Just knowing that if you look around the world and look at world history, there's no example of the far left policies that this administration is, I mean, egregiously supporting. There's no place in history where they've ever been effective. In fact, the nations where they've been tried again and again and again and again have all failed and failed miserably. Now, when that happens, who pays the price? Well, yeah, there are a few people in leadership and government that are going to get called to the carpet, no doubt about it. But the majority, the large majority of the pain and the suffering that result from such experiments throughout history are the people the people of the world, not the governments of the world, the people of the world. And back home, folks, it's the people of the United States. We pay all the prices. They may come along with us in the pain, they being the government, 
Most don't because they insulate themselves with the power that they've accumulated to not have to suffer in the policies that they push on all of us. What are you talking about, Dan? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Let me give you, let me give you a firm example of the things we're going to talk about in the first hour this morning. We're going to talk about um, policing. We're going to talk about um, elitist. We're going to talk about what's going on in legislation. And folks, let me tell you, looking down the pike, we've got some very serious COVID-19 stuff. We'll probably get into this our second hour. You don't want to miss it because things are coming to light on a daily basis now that are casting shadows over this entire vaccination, vaccine thing, the process in which they were developed, all of the details that have been hidden from the American people and people around the world, and it's becoming more and more obvious it was all planned. And the conspiracy theory charges that they make it, anybody that wants to bring any of this up, we're finding out more and more of what has been kept secret from us is real. Let's talk about that military strike yesterday. This one really shocked me. Our military conducted what they called defensive precision airstrikes, and they went after three facilities right at the Iraq-Syria border. Those facilities, and this is the same places where Donald Trump and uh, the military on his watch conducted drone strikes, and the left went crazy. Oh, you can't do that. That's unprovoked. Joe Biden went crazy. Well, these facilities that they went after are used by several Iran-backed military militia groups that are engaged in um, unmanned aerial vehicle attacks, drones, against our personnel and facilities in Iraq. As demonstrated by this strike, a spokesman for the Pentagon said, President has been clear that he's going to act to protect U.S. personnel. And given the ongoing series of attacks by Iran-backed groups targeting U.S. interests in Iraq, the president directed further military action to disrupt and deter these attacks. The U.S. took necessary, appropriate, and deliberate action designed to limit the risk of this escalating in anything like a war, but also to send a clear and unambiguous deterrent message. Same kind of situation, almost to a T that we saw happen a couple of times, probably a couple of dozen times in the four years of the Trump administration. And every time one of these happened, the left just went stark raving crazy. You're going to start a war. You're going to start a war. You're a warmonger. Think about who's in the White House now. He had eight years as vice president in the Obama administration, and Biden was not, nor was his partner, Barack Obama, They were not thought to be war hawks. But folks, they sent money, they sent weapons, they they did attacks willy-nilly throughout the Middle East. And nobody on the left said anything about it. And I'm not denigrating the fact that they did this yesterday. I'm just pointing to the fact that it's rampant hypocrisy to accept what they did when you put it in the context of what happened in the previous administration when doing the same thing was evil. You can't do that. We're the United States of America. We don't preemptively launch attacks against anybody, any foreign country, 
Uh, in fact, most of the left think that we should never launch an attack. In fact, a lot of them think we should never defend ourselves in any way. Let me, let me just stop here and tell you something that really bugs me. I woke up this morning very early uh, with a troubled feeling in my spirit. And when I say troubled feeling, you know when you get that thing, you just know something's not right, but you can't put your finger on it. That's where I was this morning, and I'm still there right now. There are so many things going on around us. The chaos keeps us from really examining each of the individual things. Now, if you happen to be ADD, and I've never been diagnosed as ADD, but my wife will tell you, she'll be the first to say, that I, I do live in a compartmentalized world in my, uh, in my thinking. And w- what am I saying? I'm saying I'm really good at handling a task, and I love doing it. But I like to start a task, work on the task, finish the task, and then move on to another one. And it's hard for me to concentrate fully when I've got a plate full of 10, 12, 15, 20 tasks that have to be done. It doesn't diminish or make one or any of these tasks less or more important than the other ones. Usually there's one or two that that are much more important, and I deal with them that way. It's just hard for me to sit and think and do a bunch of stuff at the same time. I, so I, I throughout my life, I've just come up with a process so I don't do that. It diminishes my impact at all of them if each of them are watered down. And so what does that have to do with this military strike? It really doesn't have anything to do with it, folks. It has to do with all the things we are being inundated with about the important things. I just gave you a litany of the things we're going to talk about during the show today in two hours. And folks, we could spend four hours talking through ad nauseum the very critical, important details of two dozen things. We don't have time, but that doesn't diminish their importance. And so here's what, here's what I got when I was, I was driving this morning to an early morning prayer meeting that I go to Monday through Friday. At, I get there at 6 Central. Um, and while I was thinking, this is what I came up with. I think all the stuff that is happening in the nation and in the world at one time, that each one are amazingly important. Many people are just looking away, not even engaging in even consideration of any of them. And I think the enemies, if we have enemies, and I think we all do, I think we have literal enemies on planet Earth, but I think we have enemies in the spirit world. I think there are spirits out there that want every American that is a good person to fail. And the best way to make us fail is for us to stay uneducated, to not know the details and not dig in purposely. And so when you put so much negative stuff out there in the air for people to think about, one of the go-to positions that people take is just to ignore it, just to act like it's not there. And folks, right now, that's a dangerous, a very dangerous mindset to adopt. We've got to remain engaged. We've got to. And engaged is different from, you know, incessantly just digging in and just going crazy and everything. We don't need to do that either. 
We don't need to be on one extreme or the other, ignoring or just all in and going crazy, worried about it. But we've got to find ways to engage ourselves and be able to discern the important things. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to know everything when you get into it. But folks, things that impact directly and and even indirectly impact your life, it's important for you to know the substance of what they are and what their purposes are, the dangers, the good things, and then make choices. So in that scenario, I will just tell you this. Our son, Caleb, he is extremely ADD. But let me tell you what he's brilliant at. Besides being a, he's actually a tested genius. Besides that, he's got a great way of categorizing and compartmentalizing all the important things in his life. And he literally has developed, and, and maybe this was by accident, maybe this was just something he had to learn to do to cope with his life and his mindset. But what he does, everything in his life that goes into a box, when he deals with it, it's almost always, it's freaking amazing the results that he gets. His problem, and of course he, like me and you, <laughs> we all have problems. His problem is, is he don't know which box to pick up and which box to leave laying on the ground. But I learned something from watching my son. And this morning driving to this prayer meeting, it takes me about 20 minutes to get there. I thought it through and it was like, you know what? There's some real redeeming value in handling that process. What it does, whatever we put our mind to, whatever is the thought of the day, the issue of the day, And unfortunately, today, there are far more than one issue of the day. But nevertheless, we get things done. And when we find consensus in our minds and hearts that this is the problem, here's what the problem is, here's what causes it, and here's how I can get through it, and here's the process of doing that, if we can get that all in line, we can just take that and put it back up on the shelf. Not to forget about, but to be comfortable, we got a plan. And we don't have to worry about it because we're going to work our plan. Well, what if the plan doesn't work, Dan? Don't go down that road right now. Start your plan. Enact your plan. Do something. Don't just sit there and tread water. My wife's family, all of the women in that family, when I say all of them, I mean every one of them, they have a fix for every issue. If you don't talk about it, it's like it's not there. Well, you and I know there's no resolution in that. There is no way to get resolution unless you examine it. You figure out all of the details, the importances, the stuff that's got danger written on it that are included in them. And then you find a way to create in your mind at least a scheme, a plan to deal with it. Don't just act like it's not there. So the there, there, there today. <laughs> I... You know, we could go, like I said, for four hours today and still just not just barely scratch the surface. So let's talk about where we are and put a, several faces, several voices in our conversation. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You know, she's been a proponent for defunding the police. From the very beginning, she was one of the first that began that cry. Well, she doubled down on this over the weekend. In the New York Times story, 
She said this, we're seeing these headlines about percentage increases. Now, she was explaining a recent New York Times headline about surging crime. Now, I want to say that any amount of harm is unacceptable in too much. But I also want to make sure that this hysteria, you know, that this doesn't drive a hysteria and that we look at these numbers in context so that we can make responsible decisions about what to allocate in that context. Same thing I just talked to you about. Of course, she's got it figured out. Putting in the context of the criminality and stuff we have going on, the fix for her is we got to change our thoughts on policing. Now then, as the left always does, they begin to point fingers. She said the establishment media is perpetuating this idea of crime surging throughout America. I kid you not. I agree with Representative Bowman. Now, who's Bowman? Just sit tight. You're going to hear him in just a second. I agree with Representative Bowman, she said, that I do believe we need to reallocate resources away and that a big, you know, major cause of this, and by the way, I also think it's important context because we hear on the news and media, they perpetuate this idea of a crime wave, crime wave, crime wave, right? She continued. And so this idea that a lot of us are panicked thinking that we are at some unprecedented level that we've never seen before. On June 1st, the New York Times published an article in which AOC referenced this. The FBI does not release full statistics until September of each year. But homicide rates in large cities were up more than 30% on average last year, up another 24% for the beginning of this year. We're the only party in Washington right now funding the police. Now that wasn't AOC, that was Representative Sean Patrick who's a Democrat from New York, even as we fight for important reforms in racial justice. No, put that in the context. The mayor of New York City, he just popped a few months ago in one fell swoop a billion dollars from the budget of the New York City police. Representative Val Demings, a Democrat from Florida, a former prosecutor, a candidate for the U.S. Senate against Marco Rubio, She's accused Republicans of being the anti-police party. When it came to supporting resources for local communities, including law enforcement, not one Republican voted in favor of that funding, she said. When first responders needed them the most, one of those moments, they just didn't deliver. Well, what they didn't talk about and what she failed to mention was one little point. The bill, one bill, which was a laundry of a hundred particular spending measures and there was one thing in it about helping these first responders with money. Well, just anybody that voted against the bill because it had billions of wasteful spending in it and they refused, they being the Democrat Party, they refused to put legislation out there that's one thing at a time. Let's talk about this, let's debate this, and then let's vote on it and then go into another one. Everything today, because of their resistance to discuss and present all of the meat and everything they're going to do to the American people, they don't want the American people to know what the content of all these omnibus bills 
are. That's the way they want to present everything now. Part of an omnibus bill, which means it's a collection of dozens and dozens of dozens of things that should be a standalone issue. If it's important enough for the U.S. Congress to consider passing it and sending it over to a president for a signature into law, then it's open and it's important enough for the American people to know about it and for our representatives to debate and discuss and to offer the ability to even make amendments. So who was this guy Bowman? Jamal Bowman. Jamal Bowman is another representative from New York. So what he did in January, he requested additional police protection. That sounds like a novel idea. You know, he lives in a, in a city in upstate New York, and he wants his city to be safe. Well, he didn't request help. He's beating the drum of defunding. In fact, he's one of the champions of the defunding police. Here's what he said. About a week after the January 6th incident at the Capitol, we received a request from the congressman's office. He's talking about Jamal Bowman. Now, this is the police force, not Bowman talking here. A week after January 6th, we got a call from his office for increased police presence at his residence. That's the Yonkers Police Department. In response, our intelligence unit was notified of the request and the local precinct instituted what's called a directed patrol at the congressman's home for the next two weeks. Bowman's calls for additional police protection comes as he has called for defunding the police for Americans in which he said in December of 2020 to defund the system. This is a quote. Bowman said this, we need to defund the system that's terrorizing our communities. A system this cruel and inhumane cannot be reformed. Defund the police and defund the system that's terrorizing our communities, he said. And then in April, he tweeted this, we screamed defund the police so we could reallocate those resources towards something that focuses on true public health and public safety. Meanwhile, establishment Democrats, they have now, they've crossed over and they're all, and they do it in tandem. It's structured, it's organized. They're all up there now saying, hey, it's Republicans that are crying and defunding and taking the teeth in the power of our local and our state and federal law enforcement agencies. It's not us. It's those nasty old Republicans. Again, Sean Patrick Maloney from New York. We are the only party in Washington right now funding the police. If nobody knows it's a lie, if nobody has done what I just challenged you to do, begin this show, which is engage yourself. Engage. Don't get diverted from those things that are important. Engage. You know what's happening? And and I really, I'm seeing this happen more and more and more, principally these two areas, law enforcement and COVID-19 and everything to do with each of them. I'm seeing very happily on my part. I'm watching as more and more Americans have made a determination. You know what? We've got to get involved in this. 
schools in critical race theory there. You see moms and dads across the nation at these far left school board meetings just tearing into those meetings with facts and calling those in power and authority, calling them into getting everything out there and letting us know what's going on and any of the stuff that we don't think fits the United States of America and political education, public education. We want it gone. Those are our kids. That and COVID and policing are the three biggies where people in America just have let the government and whoever we put an office in the government to make all the decisions for everything. And you know what's happening right now? When you look around your, your life today, look around your world today. Look, look around what's going on in your city, your state. You're part of the nation. And tell me truthfully, have you engaged, have you dug in to get details and facts? Do you know the what's, why's, and who's of all the things that the question mark is now, and you'll if you engage, there'll be more and more of those over the heads of the people involved in those. Have you been persistent in digging into and finding the facts and the details and taking it one step further? Just knowing about something doesn't correct a problem, folks. It's only when we engage when we challenge all of the problems by challenging those who are instigating the problems. And in the cases we're talking about now, it's people in authority over us and our government and over us and our kids at the education level. Think about it. Back after this. He'll never let you fall to the lies. Your bulwark against the tide of fake news. Dan Newman, TNN, The Truth News Network. Long live the courageous, the tenacious, the ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good. helping hand those who fall and get back up and long live the truck with the strength to overcome the will to outwork and the commitment to outlast them all ram proven to last Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200 mile per hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. <laughs> what are you doing, Snuggle? So out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equip. Play that funky music, White Boy. Now think about if 
Wild Cherry, the group that did that back, I think in the 70s, early 70s, if Wild Cherry was playing, if they were in Hollywood or Nashville or New York, wherever they created the album, Play That Funky Music, White Boy, if they were around today, do you think they'd be allowed to do this song? (laughs) That's racist, Dan, that's racist. Well, you, you know, this is one of those things I was talking about. You can't win or lose. Whichever perspective you look at it from, you're going to be wrong. Well, you got a you got a group that's combined with black and white people and they're saying, play that funky music, white boy. And what they're doing is pointing to a white boy who's playing a really nice guitar lick and he ain't supposed to play funky music. Can't be able to do that. Why? Because he's white. That's the message of the song. It was a number one hit back when it came out. But if you like that, oh my goodness, you are definitely a stone cold racist. (laughs) And racism's not allowed. Of course, it really matters only uh, how you determine if you're a leftist, what really is and what isn't racism. If we say it, that means it can't be racism. That's what their position is. Taking ownership of righteousness and goodness. After all, that's who they are, right? Let's defund the police thing. Let's go back to that for a moment. Did you hear last week what the City Council of Oakland did, Oakland, California? Now, remember, this is probably in California, this is either the second or maybe the third, running a close second if it's number three, Oakland, California, (laughs) the most violence of any city in California. Yeah, that's true. So if you've got violence being perpetrated, now violence includes a lot of things, but temporarily, um, you can just maybe put put it in one big bucket, and that's because of uh, criminality. There's a lot of problems that the police are unable to get fixed out there. And in the middle of all of that, they got a fix. The city council of Oakland, they approved a budget Friday that will redirect $17.5 million from its police department to other quote-unquote programs over the course of two years. And they voted 7-2 to two to adopt that plan. Now, this diversion was approved in the middle of, go figure, a surge in violent crimes in the area. Had a mass shooting at Lake Merritt the weekend, last weekend, before they voted. Libby Schaff is the city's mayor. Now, she opposed stripping funds from the police department. She said this, unfortunately, the budget also cuts 50 police officers who respond to Oaklanders' 911 calls and enforce traffic safety. It cuts much-needed future academics and academies, police academies, which will significantly reduce police staffing, and it's automatically going to delay response to Oaklanders in their time of crisis. It'll force our officers to work even more overtime shifts, which are expensive and unsafe for officers and residents alike. <laughs> Can you believe a big city in America, one that has a crime thing like that? This is just a, an example. This illustrates the insanity of the left. How do you fix criminality? Well, you just take away those who are involved in arresting those because we don't want anybody to get arrested and be tagged as a criminal. 
So instead of stopping their criminality and what it does to their community and people that they perpetuate this rising grow of criminality in their cities, instead of doing that, let's just erase the fact that they're being held accountable. Let's just do away with the police. Is that insane or what? Now, just go across the bay. San Francisco. I got to be honest with you, until recently, San Francisco has been one of my favorite cities in the United States. I love to go there. I like the boroughs. They don't call them boroughs out there, but uh, the suburbs. I like just across the Golden Gate Bridge. Neat little communities over there. And as you go north, you get into the wine country. And folks, those rolling hills with those grapevines everywhere, the vineyards and all of that, it's just spectacular. And then you go south out of the city, you go through Santa Clara, and you get up in the, the hills and the mountains over uh, right up next to the Pacific, and there's just some great Los Gatos, one of my favorite towns. Me and my wife both love to go there. It's a great place. And finally, they got to reopen their city. And that means reopening San Francisco and all of the burbs means restaurants, hotels, shops are back in business. Huh. But guess who else is back in business? Criminals. And they have stepped it up since San Francisco reopened. And their big target, this was surprising, the number one target so far in this reopening surge of crime, burglarizing cars. Burglarizing cars sitting on the street and in garages. 753% higher rate this month so far over last month. Seven seven and a half times more burglaries of cars. And, of course, what happens then? The fallout of this crime wave is going beyond the city as criminals find quieter streets to go through stolen luggage for Valuables leaving behind stolen belongings. These are the stories the left doesn't want us to talk about. The fallout of the crime wave is reaching beyond the city itself. Criminals find better places to go where it's easier to steal, break into cars. Last month, one central station in San Francisco saw seven and a half times more auto burglaries compared to May. But May, folks, was the height of the lockdown restrictions. They're up only 75% compared to 2019. The number of break-ins also increased 100% between April and May, tracking with the city's gradual reopening from the pandemic. The most recent data through June 6th shows that, listen to these numbers, 2,048 cars have been looted so far this year. What does that compare to? 858 through the same time last year. Park District, home to part of Golden Gate Park, saw about a 3% increase. Every other district is still below its 2020 year-to-date total. But they're close already in the month of June. Criminality, when the cops are missing, criminality goes up and the people pay the price. The people pay the price. And how anybody can, in their mind, let me ask you this. Do you think the hard left that are still touting this, defund the police, defund, do you think they really believe that's good? Or is that just some idea that 
the real hard leftists think they need to talk about to be accepted? I, I don't know, but I do know with anything that you do, there comes a price for what you do. Everything we do, everything we allow comes at a price. Now, the people that make these rules, city councils, mayors, state legislatures, they're not the ones in large part to pay the price for all of these stupid pieces of legislation they do and enact. The city council is who did this in San Francisco. The story before that, Oakland, city council did it. You heard about Bowman, Representative Bowman from New York. They're passing all this stuff that they expect you and I to abide by. And like the criminality, Bowman has some power and authority. He calls his local police department and says, I need some help. He's screaming about the horrors of police. And it's the worst thing that's happened in our nation. Police, criminality by the cops. And he says, hey. I need some protection at my house for me and my family. Why don't y'all come on down? When this cry for defunding police happened, on the, on, it came on the tail end of the Minneapolis rioting and looting during 2020, shortly after that George Floyd death. I'll never forget, we played an audio soundbite from one Minneapolis police guy, and he's sitting in his cruiser. He had just gotten a call. And it was right after the Seattle City Council had first taken this up, and they made it very clear, we're going to defund the Seattle cops. And so he was laughing. He said, I just got dispatched to go to a parade today and to offer protection to this parade because of the criminality on our streets. They're afraid for their lives. And the reason he was laughing it was a Black Lives Matter parade that he was going to protect <laughs> when they are the proponents, chief proponents of defunding the police. Now, does that mean they're stupid or they don't understand or they don't get it? No, no, no. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. It's all purposeful. They know exactly what they're doing. And they are in their minds, they're not doing anything strange. When a totalitarian government or thinker gets elected or appointed in government, and this is a world history lesson, folks. Here's how it happens. Their justification for doing what they do is because they are better than others, which means they're more important than others, which means they deserve more of all the things they want and expect that they should get just because of the position they hold they don't think anything's wrong with that. Bowman didn't see any wrongdoing with that. They just don't get it. They think becoming a member of the United States Congress is their golden ticket for everything. And you know what's saddest about that? In many cases, that's really true. You never hear about a congressman or congresswoman leaving office leaving office because they can't afford to be in government. And they never leave with the same size bank account they came to the job with. It's always got more zeros in it. Why is that, folks? Why is it? They'll, they'll answer it. They may not answer it truthfully, but if you ask them that same question, here's the answer. It's because they're in the position 
where the decisions are made to who are going to be the haves and who are going to be the have-nots. And of course, they're the ones that they raise their hand and push the button when elections take place for legislation. And when one comes around that they can take advantage of personally, ooh, I vote yes. But if it's something that's just for the American people, and it would be therefore good for them too, but just in the context of 330 million other Americans, is it good for them? And that's the way it's all supposed to be passed. But that's not the way it's handled. It's not perceived that way. And all these utopian people are doing is they're speaking their minds. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. They're just talking what's in their head and their hearts. They've been taught. They bought into it. I mean, how could anybody, I don't care who you are, how could anybody watch what happened in Minneapolis, watch what happened in Chicago on the Miracle Mile and justify it? I mean, people's lives are over. I remember one African-American couple that he was on a police, I'm sorry, a a fire department, career officer, and they saved their money for decades to be able to retire from the fire department and go start their own business. They had just done it. They signed a massive lease on a property to create a restaurant. They spent all their money buying restaurant equipment and furniture for the restaurant. They were about to get it open. And the George Floyd riots began to happen in Minneapolis. The building that their life was going to be part of moving forward 24-7. It was their business. An African-American couple. I mean, this is the perfect example of self-actualization, of living the American dream. The American dream never has been, and it wasn't constitutionally or in the Declaration of Independence said that we will guarantee everybody gets everything they want. But we're guaranteed life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Not guaranteed happiness, but the pursuit of happiness. What's in your heart? What are your dreams? What are your wishes? What are your hopes? Whatever they are, folks, in the United States of America, you have the right. The government can't abridge your right to go pursue those things. And yet, people across this nation look at that couple and say they just paid a price for the cause. They just paid a price for the cause. You think I'm smoking dope or something? Never have, never will. Hey, I'm not smoking dope. Let me let you listen to one of those lawmakers who feels like that mindset is not only good, it's the way everybody ought to think. Yesterday, on one of the far-left talk shows, here's AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez herself, and she's explaining, listen to her explain the importance of everything Democrats are considering to present in legislation and the things that they have. Here's AOC. Democratic policies are popular. And once they are enacted, they are very politically difficult to undo. And so, you know, I do not believe in the defeatism of saying we will lose in the future and uh, that and this will automatically uh, mean that anything we do now is going to be reversed. So we might as well not do anything now. Our job is to legislate. Our job is to help people. Our job is to do as much as we can. And even if that's the case, even if that is the case, wouldn't it be better to get people 
health care and voting rights for three years instead of zero years. Even if even if you concede the point that I don't even think is true in the first place. And so beyond that, then the argument is, okay, why 60 votes? Why not stop at 70 votes? Why not need 80 votes to pass any legislation? Why defend a 60 vote filibuster when the Senate already amplifies a minority power so that the 50 Democratic senators already represent millions and millions and millions more Americans than 50 Republican senators. Okay. Let me put that in context. You got to understand who she is. She's she's of uh, Puerto Rican origin. Um, She grew up uh, in a blue blue collar family. I I don't think her dad was part of the family. I'm not sure, but I don't think so. She and her mom very close. And um, she got a great education, went to Boston University. Of course, when she was running for Congress, her job before that was a bartender. I'm not putting that down. I'm just saying this is not somebody that learned the system, that went and got a good education, which I'm talking about something other than she got something to do in finance. But she immediately, when she ran and she got a few thousand votes from her, pre not her precinct, but her congressional district members, on the northeast side of New York. And the reason she won, I forget the gentleman's name, but a long-standing Democrat in congressional leadership, she ran against him. Nobody came out to vote because he'd never lost before. Nevertheless, she immediately became an expert on everything to do about the United States Congress, uh, Constitution, the rule of law, what's right, what's wrong, equity, equality. She just racism she just knew it all just because she got a title congresswoman i can't even say that that's sexist what do you call people now a congressperson okay she became a congressperson so she just redefined did you hear that last part of what she had to say about the filibuster which is it was created not in the constitution Not directly, but it was created the process to put it in place by the Constitution, which gave the members of the United States Senate the right to govern itself regarding the lawmaking process. They learned very quickly, and they already knew when they came to the United States, those that had immigrated from Europe, your government has got to be comprised of an entity or group that represent directly the people. And the people are not always going to be of the same mindset. And they came from a place where whoever was in the majority always controlled everything. And so they created in the Senate the filibuster process so that the big house, which is the Senate, the United States of Representatives, they represent people district by district. But the Senate is the place that represents the whole of the nation. There are 435 members in the House of Representatives, each represent a particular district in their state. Senators actually originally were appointed by governors, two in each state, and they were to be the direct representatives of the whole state, not just the congressional districts within each state. So how to come up with a way to make it fair, to protect the minority, exactly opposite of what you just AOC said. She said, 
if the Senate's got a 50-50 tie there, why would we even do the filibuster because those 50 represent more people than the other 50 do? In other words, what she's saying is, hey, we're in power right now. We want ultimate power. This is the Democrat Party. We want the ability to shove everything we have and whatever we want down the throats of America. Screw the minority. And I apologize if this S word there offended you, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. All it has to do with if we control the House of Representatives and we have a 50-50 tie and therefore we have the majority in the Senate because the vice president breaks all ties, we shouldn't have to deal with having to get 60 votes over there because those 50 represent far more than the other 50. Forget about those, that minority thing. They don't care about the rule of law, about the structure of government in the United States. They don't give a rip. And she said it in the beginning of the soundbite. Democrat policies are very popular, and once they're put in place, they're very hard to do away with. Now, that's lunacy because we've seen when Donald Trump was elected, and by the way, the House and the Senate in the first two years were controlled by the majority, they did away with tons of the Biden administration policies. It can all be overturned by the legislative process, which is why it was structured that way. But the point, the big point in what she said was, we don't care about the minority. Now, when we were in minority, the Democrat Party, oh my gosh, we needed everything we could get so that we could get just a little bit of what we like and think is good for the people. But now that we're in majority, the American people sent a message. We don't like Republican policies. And so that, that filibuster thing, that's ludicrous. Why do we have it? Well, let me give you one example of why we have it. Have you heard a lot about or very much about Biden's tax plan? Hadn't heard much about it. Why is that? Because the mainstream media won't talk about it. If it's passed, folks, wealthy Americans are going to pay one of the highest taxes on capital gains and dividends in the world if that tax and spend plan becomes law. He's proposed, listen to these numbers, and then I'm going to put it in context. I'm not going to go give a bunch of numbers and stuff like that. Just basically at the 10,000-foot at the, uh, level. He's proposed raising capital gains rate to 39.6%. Where is it now? It's half that <laughs> for millionaires. And you couple that with an existing Medicare surge charge, federal tax rates for the wealthy could climb to as high as 44%. 44%. Now, you tell me. I don't care how much you make. I don't care if you're a multimillionaire. Tell me that you're confident with spending 44% of your income for the federal government, oh, and then you're going to, if you live in a, a state where there are state income taxes, and you live in a city where there are income taxes, half of your money is going to go to a government. You think that's going to be good? Folks, the left, well, listen to this closely. 
They are some of, in mass, the wealthiest people in America. Sadly, in most cases, it takes being wealthy to be able to get elected. That's a conversation for another day. We won't go there. But the other wealthy people are the people that are out in America that they make money. Now, maybe, maybe 20% for millionaires is a little low, maybe. And I'm not even saying it is. I'm just saying this. I remember in my life as a businessman, as an entrepreneur, I remember writing my very first federal tax income check for my company's uh, profits, my tax, for my company's success. I remember writing a six-figure check, $100,000 plus. My wife will tell you, when I wrote that check that year, that first year, I was sick for a month. Why would I do that? Would it did it mean that I'm, you know, an evil person because I make so much money and I don't want to give money to the government that's going to take care of people that can't make that kind of money? That wasn't the reason. The reason was I knew factually as I do today. That six-figure check that I wrote, it wasn't going to be used for the good of American people. Much of it was going to be soaked up and put in the pockets of politicians and those who they are obligated to take care of. So, if this goes into effect, the top wealthiest people in America could be paying as much as 43.4% to the federal government. How does that compare? Ireland's got a 51% tax on those dividends. That's if Ireland right now, if the U.S. does this, Ireland is the only developed nation to impose a higher tax on investment income than the United States would be. So, without exiting, without putting a caveat on this for you to consider, listen to this. Millionaires don't pay taxes. What do you mean, Dan? You just talked about them paying for it. Oh, yeah, they will. But almost without exception, they're millionaires because they are either owners of big corporations or they're big shots CEOs, presidents, and big major corporations. And so these big corporations are the ones that are paying them their money that they're making this income with. So it's going to be an across-the-board thing. It doesn't just impact one person. Oh, there's, I'm just going to throw a number out. There are 20 multimillionaires in a nation, and we're going to go get money directly from them. Uh Uh-uh, it doesn't work that way. How do those people make money? Where does that money come from to make those profits. It comes from stuff their businesses do, which means creating, creating entrepreneurship, taking and creating something from nothing, or stepping in and taking over a big company that has already done that in the past, and you help it grow and get bigger and better. So what what goes into that company? Well, there are lots of employees, people that are working for an income. Many of those people are blue-collar workers and middle-income people. And so, do you really think these millionaire business owners are just going to sit by when they're used to having 20% more of their income every year to keep in their bank accounts and invest in their own companies and give employees raises? No, 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 no. They're not going to do that. You know what they're going to do? They're going to raise their prices. 
Now, how does that impact? Well, it impacts me and you. Whatever goods and services they're using and selling out there, the prices go up. Who pays those? Corporations, big corporations that are owned by, in most cases, these big wealthy Americans, they don't pay taxes. Oh, technically, it may come out of their bank accounts, but it's left pocket, right pocket. They're getting it out of the other pocket. And the what is the other pocket? It's prices that they make you and I pay more to subsidize that. And then what happens? Our purchasing power goes down. We are facing inflation right now that the last time in this country it ever looked this way was when Jimmy Carter was president. You know who the only people are in the world that make big money during high inflation? Wealthy people. They're the only ones. How do they do that? My, my mother wasn't wealthy. My stepfather, when she married him, was wealthy, and they had a lot of bank stock. In fact, he was one of the owners of a, a Louisiana bank. When all this happened, he gave my mom, he would give my mom certificates of deposit. And I remember when I was looking at, as a young married man with a family, looking at buying a new house and looked at the mortgage rates in, let's see, 1978, 79, when it was the height of the Jimmy Carter presidency, prime lending rate was 19, 20%. Mortgage rates were 13, 14%. But those certificates of deposit, which is just taking money to your bank and getting a certificate and it's locked in at paying a certain percentage, was it 11, 12%? <laughs> now let me put that in context. You got a million dollars in cash, you put it in the bank, what does that mean? It's going to make $100,000 a year. It doesn't take a lot of those million-dollar CDs for the wealthy people to just sit back, fold their arms, and say, I'm not going to spend any money in this uh, in this economic environment. I'm not that stupid. I'm not going to grow my company. I'm not going to give people raises. I'm just going to sit back here and watch my bank account grow. Well, who comprised those people? These people. <laughs> These people. So Biden is saying hey, I'm going to make them pay more tax money. And meanwhile, he's driving inflation up because his taxes go up. The market and the economy gets worse. People don't have money to spend. They don't buy. The prices for everything go up. Check your gas price when you filled up last compared to election day. What was it? Go buy some building Material. Go buy some two-by-fours and some sheetrock and some plywood. Go buy some nails. There are things you used to go to Home Depot or Lowe's and take just take for granted they were there and the prices, they're, they're not even there. They can't get them because the manufacturers are sucking egg because it costs them sometimes two, three times as much to put the same products and the same services they offer on the street. It's called inflation. And actually, there's another term for it that I didn't create, but I've said it before, and we're going to do a story on it. It's called stagflation. And what's it going to do? It's going to kill every American that is not 
a multimillionaire. And the reason, the primary reason it's going to happen is because Joe Biden is president and his economic policies are built around this one thing. Let's demonize the left. Let's demonize them only if they're billionaires. And by demonizing them, when I put these policies out there to raise taxes, everybody, everybody that's middle class and working class labor, they're going to clap their hands. Yay, way to go, Mr. President. Way to go. You're penalizing those evil rich people because the only thing that will happen that comes to the public purview is when they start raising prices, they being the big companies. When they start raising prices to stabilize their income, their profit and loss, then the president and his minions, they get out there and they beat the drum. See, we told you those are evil people. We told you they're evil people. Meanwhile, their right hand behind their back is accepting multi-million dollar campaign contributions and jobs for their kids. You think I'm lying, folks? This isn't new. It's happened throughout the history of this country again and again and again. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. What is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. We've been giving kids scholarships. Like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola. Drink up. Hello. Hello, sir. I hear you having problems putting together your new kitchen unit. Oh, yeah. Uh, the instructions say... The what now? The instruction manual. It makes absolute... Stop reading that. Well, what would you suggest I use? I suggest you use the fact you're a man. Huh? Guys who got pride never relied on no guide, sucker. I'll give you some step-by-step instructions. <laughs> Buy Snickers, remove wrapper, bite chocolate, and get some nuts. Go to GetSomeNuts.tv for more Snickers man coaching. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of craftsmen. Dear Daddy, dear Mom, I love you. I miss you. Every year, Snowball Express honors the children of fallen soldiers. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Orlando. Join me in proudly supporting Snowball Express, a nonprofit that creates opportunities to help heal the children of our fallen heroes. We can never repay the sacrifice our soldiers have made, but we can honor them by giving back to their children. Donate now at SnowballExpress.org. In the clown car of the deep state, you will never find a greater den of scum and villainy. You need a hero. Here again, blaster in hand, is Dan Newman. I don't have a blaster. <laughs> I don't even know what a blaster is, Pete. Pete Moss, thank, thank him so much for doing the stuff that he does, these nice little intros and bumps in and out. He's a consummate professional. One of the best in the business has a studio up in New York, excuse me, in Chicago. Actually, he even moved even further north and 
He is now, he moved his studio out into the North Woods where he can be with nature. And if I had a voice like that, I don't know what I'd do, but I, I, I probably would be like Pete, just probably do anything I want to do. Anyway, just thought I'd throw that in there. So he just made a point there. You know, we got we to gotta find out who the good guys are and how do we know when they're good guys. Well, there's one measure that a lot of people can use, and I'm one of them for a long time. Donald Trump obviously doesn't send Christmas cards to CNN's Jim Acosta, and I'm sure vice versa is the fact, although I will tell you this, Donald Trump made Jim Acosta a whole lot of money for one reason and one reason only. Jim Acosta was so nasty and ugly and abrasive in White House press briefings, not looking for facts, but looking for TV time because he became a hero to the left in those four years attacking President Trump. And you don't hear much about old Jim lately. Well, it's not because he's not trying. And so Jim went after one of the heroes of the right right now, Representative Mo Brooks, who um, happens to ride a bicycle to and from his place of residence in Washington, D.C., So you know Jim Acosta, he's out there looking for real news, hard stuff that he can take to the bank with. And so on Friday, he decided he saw Mo Brooks, Representative Brooks, walking out of the Capitol, going to get on his bike, and he saw a great opportunity, did Acosta, to get some headlines. Listen to this short back and forth between Representative Mo Brooks and Jim Acosta. So you take the bike to work, huh? Sometimes. Congressman, is there any way we could get you to talk about January 6th? I do not do interviews with CNN because I do not trust CNN to be honorable or truthful. Well, can I ask you, do you still believe Antifa was behind January 6th? I've already said what I'm going to say. I don't trust you all to be truthful or honest. Well, can you tell us if you regret what you said on January 6th? I do not trust CNN to be truthful or honest, so I do not. Well, I'm just asking you questions. I'm asking you fair questions here, sir. Why can't you answer the question? I do not trust y'all to be truthful or honest with anything CNN does. It's on video. If you can just talk to us for a moment. Oh, you guys will lie through your teeth any chance you get. Well, give you the chance to come on if you don't mind. (laughs) And that was what you heard at the end. That was Representative Brooks riding away from Jim Acosta. You would never see Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or any of the rest of the squad and very few of Democrats in leadership that would dare walk away from that interview. Mo Brooks said basically what most of us have believed for years. We We don't trust CNN for any facts, so why should we put pearls before a swine in Jesus's term? I'm not saying Jim Acosta is a swine, but I am saying that, uh, If it quacks and waddles, it's a duck, folks, and CNN has been quacking and waddling for a long time that they are a little more than the mouthpiece, a public relations mouthpiece for far-left causes. And so Mo Brooks, he did the right thing in my estimation. So there are a lot of moving parts in what's going on in legislation today. Joe Manchin, Senator Manchin, Democrat of West Virginia, he's kind of He's in the headlights of everybody up there because he is a conservative Democrat and he's a very powerful U.S. senator. What's interesting, if you, if you look at the, the, the construction, the composite of the uh, legislature from West Virginia, I'm talking about senator and congressional members and districts, he's the only Democrat in power for the state. 
And that's a big deal because West Virginia, folks, has for a long time been a stronghold for Democrats. But it's also a very blue collar. It's a very labor union. It's a very uh, energy, coal energy, almost exclusively uh, dependent state. And as they have through administration after administration, the people in West Virginia watched as leadership in Washington have turned their backs on coal energy and all the jobs that go along with that, they've realized Democrats aren't basically really looking out for us, and they've moved away from that. There have been a lot of people, this guy included. I I, I thought for years, at any time, Joe Manchin was going to change his party affiliation and become a Republican. He hadn't yet, and I'm just giving you a little perspective because what's going on right now, especially in this nastiness about the filibuster and the, the legislation that is being pended out there, and that reconciliation process that the, the left are demanding take over in the United States Senate, which would basically say they don't need a 60 vote, 60 to 50 vote margin to get certain types of legislation passed that they can use reconciliation. Well, before they could get reconciliation approved on any matter, it's got to pass the okay of 60 senators. And Manchin's made it very clear he's not going to cave. So yesterday, he was on ABC's This Week. And this reconciliation process came up in the conversation. He said, we have two tracks talking about this Senate legislation for the tax code. We have two tracks. And that's exactly what I believe is going to happen. We've worked on the one track. We're going to work on the second one. There's an awful lot of need. Everything they talked about is something we need. I didn't vote for the 2017 tax cuts under President Trump. I thought they were weighted too much toward the high end, if you will. I think we need to make some adjustments. And I'm willing to step forward to make those adjustments. I've been clear about that. But we also have to take into account what we're, where we are in this country what our debt structure is. We're $28.5 trillion in the hole. We can't continue to add on things that we can't pay for. I've always said this. We're writing checks our kids can't even pass. This is going to put a heck of a burden on the next generation, and we have to be aware of that. There's a lot of need, whether it's a child tax credit or helping the kids start in life whether it's fixing a lot of human infrastructure that's fallen by the wayside of helping middle-class, hardworking people have a chance to get ahead and enjoy the American dream. I'm all for that. To what degree? We'll see what we're able to pay for. And so you just heard that's what Joe Manchin is all about. And then the anchor on ABC said this, John Carl, you get hammered all the time by your fellow Democrats, especially progressives, who say you're constantly drawing red lines for what you'll support, creating limits on how far Democrats will be able to go now that you control all the House, the Senate, and the White House. What do you say to those who say, why don't you just draw red lines with Republicans? And Manchin said this, and he's a consummate gentleman. I, I like Joe Manchin. I have for a long time. I think he gets it. I really do. He's not all about party, and he's one of the few in the Democrat Party that are not all about party. He said this to Carl, I'm willing to meet everybody halfway. If Republicans don't want to make adjustments to a tax code, which I think is weighted and unfair, I'm willing to go to reconciliation. 
If they think in reconciliation, I'm going to go to five or six trillion dollars and throw caution to the wind when we can only afford one or maybe two and what we can pay for, I can't be there. I'm very open. I think we can find our priorities. We can help a lot of people, lift them up, but people have to get up and make an effort. We all have to fight for the same greater country we live in and appreciate that we're here. And those last things the senator said, those don't line up, folks. They have no coordination with what we're hearing every day coming from the left, what you heard from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Now, she's in the House. She's not in the Senate with uh, Joe Manchin. But what she said is the fundamental basis for all of the legislation this Democrat Party is trying to push through and so far has pushed through several pieces of it and foisted a massive additional amount of debt on the American people. And he hit the hammer on the head. We can't pay for this ourselves. Our kids now can't pay for it. So we're looking at grandkids and great-grandkids and great-great-grandkids, and they're going to look back historically at grandpa and great-grandpa and grandma and say, what the heck were y'all thinking? Why did you do this? We can't afford our life today, yet alone pay for your life that was extravagant, whatever those things did that caused all this debt to occur. It wasn't our fault, and we're not seeing in the fruit of that. I don't want that to happen on my watch. I don't know about you, but I, I really don't want it to happen. Man, we're going to have to hurry through this. We've only got 40 minutes or so left on the show. We've got to get to the COVID-19 stuff. Let me tell you something else that we're waiting for. And during that last break, I went to check and see if it's come out yet. Today, 28th of June, Monday, is the day that that audit in Maricopa County, Arizona, which is Phoenix, that vote election audit that's been going on now for a couple of months, we're supposed to get a synopsis of what they've uncovered. That has, that has not happened yet. And so a lot of questions have been asked and a lot of suppositions have been thrown out in the media, especially by the hard left, denigrating. They've really attacked the audit. They have no idea, nothing to, about the results or the expected results, but they've just gone, I mean, 100% against the fact that there even is an audit underway. And they've already got talking points. They've been using them for weeks, denigrating whatever the results are, and they have no clue what the results are going to be. Well, I think they do, and I think that's why they're going all in to diminish any of the findings found by this audit company. On Friday, the audit ended. We know that much. And so there's a lot of speculation as to what may happen after these results are released. One of the most disturbing testimonies in this regard was that of your friend here, somebody we've had on the show, and he'll be back on again. I reached out. We changed uh, conversations over the weekend. Mike Flynn, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, he was in the middle of all of this, and uh, he, when he was on the show with us, he made it very clear. There was, his words, there was irregularity, fraud in the election in 2020. So last week, this is what he claimed on one show. He claimed that something would happen this week when this information comes out about the audit in Maricopa County. Now, what, what kind of something was he alluding to? Here's what he said. It's going to happen to divert attention 
from the audit results. There's going to be something that's going to happen. I'm afraid of what it's going to do. It's going to further divide the country, he said. They're going to continue to go after Trump. They're going to continue to go after him. And I'm glad to see the president finally getting out and doing some rallies. He's going to be doing one in Sarasota on the 4th of July. I think he's going up in Ohio on Saturday, which he did. So he's going to get back out. He's going to light the world on fire again because I know they're going to go after him. And whenever they go after him, it's never pretty. He's talking about the far left going after Trump. He feels that whatever comes out of this audit when the information is released, he feels like it's going to diminish the efficacy of the election in Maricopa County, that they're going to find a massive a bit of uncertainty, if not just out-and-out fraud, and the left are going to go hard against Trump. Remember what we've said here? Whatever they're screaming the loudest about, that's not what the big deal is. They're not willing to talk about. They're hiding it. They don't want our attention to be on that. So whatever comes out of this audit, General Flynn is saying it's going to be bad for the left. It's going to be bad for Democrats. It's going to be bad for the state of Arizona and uh, Maricopa County. It's going to make them all look bad. They're going to scream and holler about Donald Trump again. Since the results on electoral fraud are going to be so overwhelming, he thinks, Trump's enemies will launch another news story at the same time or some kind of additional false flag attack which is a covert operation carried out by governments and corporations and other organizations. It's designed, they always are, to look like they were carried out by people other than themselves. And then I'm going to quote him directly here what he said. We're probably, he um, he's checking his calendar, but we're probably going to have him on again next week. After this information comes out, he wants to come back and break it down for us. But here's what he warned, quote, the 2020 presidential election was stolen. There's no doubt in my mind anymore. There is none. And the truth will continue to come out. Something is going to happen. I don't think we're going to have to wait until the end of summer. I think it's going to happen very soon because they've got to create noise prior to the Arizona audit starting to really bubble out. They're going to have to do something. So when he said that, of course, the Make America MAGA movement, they just immediately began to stand at attention because only a few days later, that collapse of a Miami condominium occurred, the one we're dealing with right now today. So what's next in the audit? Well, despite all of the interferences that occurred, and folks, they were rampant. We, we covered some of them here. It wasn't just in Arizona. People were going nuts in Washington, D.C., And in New York, the Democrat Party actually hired, the National Democrat Party actually hired the heaviest weight election attorneys they could get in the United States to handle this Maricopa County audit. Now, why would they do that? I mean, the Democrat Party didn't run the election. The federal government didn't run the election. Maricopa County's election board did. So why would the Democrat Party think it was critical for them to bring in the heavyweights unless they know there's wrongdoing that's going to be uncovered? Hmm. A preliminary report detailing the accuracy of the number of certified ballots is supposed to be presented sometime today. This is going to be followed by a 
complete forensic report detailing the forensic images and voting results, which may take quite some time because several irregularities or discrepancies are likely to have been found in a large number of those analyzed ballots. And then the Arizona State Senate will have to consider decertifying the results if they can't prove that Biden was the winner of the 2020 presidential election. Can you imagine what the environment is going to be if they end up having to do that? Well, let's just say that happens. Then Attorney General Mark Bronovich of Arizona, he's got to launch an investigation into whoever we find out is involved in a scam if there is a scam there and the cover-up if there's a cover-up there. Remember that significant discrepancies in the total number of ballots have been reported there since the beginning of the audit. That was released immediately. In addition, the president of the Senate, Karen Fawn, has denounced various irregularities that have appeared, such as erase databases, some security seals on mail-in ballots that had been cut, missing passwords, etc. Now, in that regard, it should be noted that although the physical audit has already been completed, there's a part that is missing. And this is the part that really bugs me. The auditors have not been provided the computer routers, the computer records, and they haven't been able to even get the passwords for the Dominion voting machines. On January 13th, now that is six months ago, six and a half months ago, they requested that data on January 13th. It's needed to complete the audit, and there will be litigation to get them. They went through litigation just to finally get the authority from the courts to even do this audit. The most surprising thing that we have uncovered so far is that the passwords to this Dominion voting system that's used by Maricopa County weren't delivered. The administrator of the machines used those passwords and this system to count the votes. And that shows evidentiary that the elections were always under the control of not Maricopa County, not the election board in Maricopa County, but were always 24-7 during this entire process under the control of a private company. And the state didn't have any power or authority over it. So where's Dominion on this? Listen to this. They've indicated they are not going to give up the passwords. They're not going to allow any auditor to review their voting machines, arguing that the passwords, listen to this, are their dominions, intellectual property. If these passwords were made available, the auditors estimate that it would take them less than two days to gather the missing data that they need. Two days. Now, what, 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 what is your conclusion after that last segment of that story? Dominion voting system, the machines, we, we now know, were actually hooked to a system because they weren't, election results weren't tabulated locally. They were tabulated on the Dominion voting system. 
and Dominion refuses to allow the auditors, which were hired by the legislature of the state of Arizona, which runs and has sole authority over their elections. That authority comes from where? The United States Constitution. They voted for the audit, a full audit, a complete audit to happen, and Dominion refuses to give them the last pieces necessary to get the final results. Now, why would they do that? You know why. We all know that. Everybody knows that. First of all, you can't talk about it. You can't talk about there being cheating in that election. If you are, you're going to get canceled. To this day, I cannot tell you how shocking it has been for me for Truth News Network not to be popped by big media, big social media out there, because we publish stories all the time. They've never popped one of our stories. And I'm not saying that because I want to be on their radar screen, that I I want to be. I'm just saying we're blessed that so far that has not happened. And it came to very little surprise with this election stuff. It's so clouded. There's so many people. Half the nation is confident. The elections across the nation were skewed for the favor of Joe Biden and Democrat candidates. Think about that. Just in, not a, not in a vacuum, but just on on your own, just alone for a moment. Think about if any of that's true. What that really means. And to make it even look worse, the Biden Department of Justice filed that lawsuit against Georgia last week, taking on the Georgia election law stating that it prevents minorities from their right to vote? I can only think of one reason anybody in Washington would be stupid enough to file that lawsuit when everybody has had access to the law and compared it to the previous Georgia voting laws, and it's far better and easier now for everybody to be able to vote, including minorities, and it does not restrict their right to vote in any way. When you look at other states and compare their election laws side-by-side Georgia's, the DOJ should go after about 13 or 14 other states way before they go after Georgia. Because even the president's home state of Delaware, their voting laws are far more restrictive across the board to minorities than is the Georgia voting law. So why, oh why, Do you think they filed this lawsuit? I think it's political pressure put on by the Democrat Party and leadership there. So it was interesting to me when Jonathan Turley, who doesn't speak a lot in the media, you know who he is? He's a George Washington University law professor, a constitutional expert. He's a Democrat, folks. He's a Democrat. He comes out. And he's always pretty nonpartisan when he gives his opinions about various things from a legal perspective. Here's what he said, quote, I'm highly skeptical, skeptical, and I think they may ultimately regret this move. He's talking about the Biden administration. It could indeed clarify this issue in a way the Biden administration does not want. Now, he raised some questions over the merit of that lawsuit by the DOJ, and he brought up similarities between Georgia and other states, like Delaware, as I mentioned. 
But this is a very dubious case in my view, he said, because the Georgia law has great overlap with other states. He also mentioned the popularity of voter ID when going to the polls to vote, which is a key component of the Georgia voting law. Voter ID, as an example, is extremely popular with voters. And you now see a lot of Democrat members beginning to say, really, we're not questioning that anymore. He discussed the political ramifications. There are going to be some cost because of this lawsuit, coupled with the House and Senate Democrats trying to pass all this major election reform and H.R. 1 in the House that they passed and S. 1 that was bumped down last week over in the Senate. A lot of people have a lot of things out in the public purview to consider regarding this voter stuff. And with that comes something Democrats are going to regret. People see and hear and listen, and they know more than they did a few weeks ago about all this. And so they're looking at this lawsuit that the Biden DOJ has filed against Georgia because of of that election law that most Americans now know is far, far fairer and less suppressive than the previous law and the laws in a bunch of other states around the nation. And so those people are now going, hmm, hmm. Turley said that one of the issues the court is going to probably amplify in their rendering their determination of this suit is going to amplify that elections were left in the Constitution to the state and for a reason. And there are a lot of people in Congress that don't even want to talk about the states having that authority. But Alexander Hamilton, one of the authors of the Constitution, actually wrote in the Federalist Papers, imagine if the federal government was to take over the management of elections. And he said, we would all object. (laughs) That's what Turley said about what Hamilton wrote. That's what's happening now in Congress. They're trying to essentially federalize elections. And Turley said they're going to get a big pushback. From who? From the American people on that. The American people are not going to stand by and watch this administration let our election system get attacked and destroyed. So here we are, folks. We're past the bottom of the hour. We're in our last half hour. We're going to finish this hour. You don't want to miss this. COVID news on the street. And folks, let me just tell you, you have got to hear what has come out over the weekend and what is coming out more and more on a daily basis. The truth about everything to do with COVID-19. Sit tight. You don't want to miss it. We're going to take this break. When we come back, we'll get into it. And if you know somebody that you really want to hear and understand and know, get them on the phone right now and tell them to listen in. Right after this. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks. Just like when you were a kid. Remember the naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are Sunmate's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmate's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade snacks. 
Join a community of online learning and find your bright future at the American Women's College of Bay Path University. Getting your college education doesn't necessarily make it so you have different self-worth or you mean more. There's so many different roads you can take. But if you have the feeling that you want it, go get it. The American Women's College is supportive and kind, and what you've created has changed lives, and I'm so grateful that I can say I've been part of it. Enrolling now for September and November at baypath.edu slash future. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Drinking water is essential to your health. That's why you need to drink plenty of water to keep you hydrated throughout the day. Unlike power drinks or soft drinks, water is truly the only drink that can quench your thirst. It's an easy, refreshing way to keep your body healthy and strong. Freshen up today with a brisk, cool bottle of water. Taking the time to speak the truth, no matter the cost. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. This news comes out of um, folks on the other side of the pond, pond to the east. There's a guy with their name, Matt Hancock. I'll just tell you who he is. He's the head of their... Uh, their particular PHE, which is their version of the CDC here in the United States. And the big news first that came out about him over the weekend is he's having an affair. OMG, (laughs) he's having an affair. I'm not diminishing the horror of somebody having an affair that's in a marriage, but nevertheless, the Public Health England is this entity and what they had to release regarding SARS-CoV-2 is much more important than their leader having an affair. This report is titled SARS-CoV-2 Variants of Concern and Variants Under Investigation in England. So they put together, I I want you to run this parallel to what you're seeing and hearing coming out of the CDC. They're doing studies. They're doing studies while the COVID-19 stuff's going on and the studies are instantly published for their citizens in England to read and find out what the doctors are finding, which is the exact opposite of what our CDC does. We're told, hey, we're doing this behind the scenes, so you got to listen to us because we got all the facts. They've compiled a table which shows the number of alleged confirmed Delta variant cases in the UK alongside the number of alleged deaths due to the variant, not to the the kindergarten COVID-19, the variant, as Fauci's told us, it's far worse. Now, what does this mean? The table shows that since the 1st of February this year through the 21st of June, there have been 9,571 confirmed cases of the Delta variant in people over the age of 50. Of these, 9,571, 9,571 of these, 8,025 have been confirmed in the last 28 days alone. These numbers are through Friday. But the data shows that people over 50 who are unvaccinated, 
account for just 10% of these confirmed COVID cases. Those that are fully vaccinated account for 37%. Another 40% of these cases are people who have received one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine at least 21 days prior to their alleged confirmed COVID-19 infection. Now, what does this mean? The number of people over 50 who are fully vaccinated with a confirmed case of the Delta variant outnumber those who are unvaccinated by three to one. Three times more. Number of people over 50 who've had at least one dose of the COVID jab and have been confirmed with the variant, the Delta variant, outnumber those who are unvaccinated by nine to one. When the COVID vaccines were given emergency use authorization, Fauci and company, none of the others, didn't have a clue as to whether they would work or not, folks. Let, let me just point something that's very obvious here. And I'm, I'm not going to delve on much of this because we have more of this stuff that we need to get out to you today. But how many times watching television, especially in the evening now, do you see commercials with these drug companies coming out and they're introducing a new drug or they're talking about one that's been out on the market and they're all 30-second spots. They don't very seldom do do they do 60-second television commercials because of the cost. So in a 30-second television commercial about a drug, how long do they talk about the drug? About 20 seconds. Why? The last 10, they're required by law to list the probable and possible side effects that come from these drugs. And I mean, I got to be honest with you, almost every one of them, at the end of it, they say, and death. (laughs) Not you're going to die, but there's a possibility. And I'm not talking about that disclaimer right now in this story. What I'm pointing out to you is all of that information came from months and years of human trials, human testing that were required by our Federal Drug Administration before they would approve these medications to come to market. You detect a slight difference? This is scary to me. We don't have a clue what's in those those vaccines. We don't have a clue. And every day more news comes out that shows we're in deep doo-doo. Friday, the CDC now reports 6,113 people have died to COVID injections. From the shot, folks, 6,113 through Friday. And that number includes, listen to this, 576 abortions that happened because of complications in patients who have received the vaccination and the babies died. More deaths have been reported following COVID-19 injections since December last year than there have been total deaths reported following immunizations in the previous 30 years, folks, from January 1 of 91 to November 30th of 2020. On top of those 6,113 deaths, there have been 5,172 permanent disabilities, 6,435 life-threatening occurrences, and 51,000 emergency room visits reported because 
of the vaccines. It was found in the VARES report. This isn't me. This is our CDC. 576 cases of deaths of unborn babies occurred after the mother received a vaccine. So let me ask you this. When Fauci and these really cool ads, people from Hollywood, you got to get the jab. You got to get the, you know, do, do yourself a favor, but more importantly, do everybody around you a favor. There's no 20-second disclaimer at the end of those saying, you know, there's a better than normal, much better than normal chance that you're going to die when you take this vaccine. It's called disclaimer. It's called culpability. It's called information. It's called science. In a June 11th webinar with the German attorney named Reiner Fulmike and several other doctors, Dr. Peter McCullough, who we've talked to you about here on this show quite a bit, he's one of the, where the rubber meets the roads, experts on treating COVID-19 patients. He's been with Baylor Medical Center, Baylor University for decades. In that webinar, McCulloch stated it had been really all about keeping the populace in fear and isolation and preparing them to receive the vaccine. He thinks it's a bioterrorism campaign. He can't come up with a reasonable explanation other than that for this heavy-handed, non-stop, consistent, 24-7 push. Get the vaccination. Get the vaccination. He's the vice chief of internal medicine at Baylor University. He lectures at Texas A&M. Six, more than 600 citations in the National Library of Medicine. He's the most extensively mentioned clinician in the treatment of COVID-19. He's not a Fauci. Fauci hadn't treated a single COVID-19 patient. McCulloch's testified before the Texas State Senate on COVID therapy as an epidemiologist, cardiologist, and internist. According to Dr. McCullough, the virus mostly targeted those over 50 who had comorbidity, several other medical problems, and it's virtually risk-free for children. He's talking about the virus now. He claims that a multi-drug treatment provided in the early to mid-stages of the disease could have avoided 85% of the 600,000 deaths here in the United States. Instead, patients that you know, we were all advised to stay at home, don't return to the hospital unless symptoms worsen, such as significant breathing difficulties, and for many, when they got there, too late. They were put on ventilators, which in many cases in the early going, you found out that hurried death because ventilators were pushing blood through their lungs, blood through lungs that the lungs were swollen and couldn't oxygenate their blood sufficiently and they died. The FDA, on Friday of this week, they put all of this stuff out on Friday, usually afternoon on Friday. Why do they do that? Because Americans, we're not thinking about the week and stuff going on in the week. Friday afternoon, we're thinking about the weekend. The FDA released this. Rare heart inflammation, they put out a warning for Pfizer and Moderna coronavirus vaccines. On June 25th, the FDA announced their facts sheet. Now, we told you the one in E in uh, the, the uh, 
European Union. They put theirs out every week and everybody knows about it. You didn't hear about this anywhere and they're not talking about it anywhere. They send it out to people, not our FDA. Their fact sheet, it says regarding Moderna and Pfizer COVID-19 vaccines now include info about myocarditis and pericarditis, heart problems. Adding such words to the sheets wasn't really a surprise. After all, two days prior to that, the CDC found likely association between the vaccines and rare occurrences of myocarditis and pericarditis among younger people. So now the FDA fact sheets say that the two mRNA vaccines may bring, quote, increased risk of those two conditions, particularly following the second dose. Hmm. It's important to remember that myocarditis and pericarditis after the COVID vaccines are still like barely cooked steak. Very rare, folks. Back in June 13th, we talked to you about a story that was printed by Forbes magazine. And at that point, June 13th, mid-month, there have been less than 300 confirmed cases of myocarditis or pericarditis among over 150 million fully vaccinated people in the U.S. This would still be less than your odds of being killed by a cow if you believe one in 300,000 number in the photo accompanying a tweet. Having myocarditis or pericarditis is not necessarily as bad as being killed by a cow. Your myocardium, you know what that is? It's your heart muscle because myo stands for muscle and cardium stands for heart. Your pericardium is the membranous sac that surrounds your heart because peri means around. Adding an itis to the end of everything means inflammation. So myocarditis is inflammation of your heart muscles. Pericarditis means that you have an inflamed sac around your heart. Inflammation. In the body, as you know, it's never a good thing. Typically, you don't hope that one of your body parts is going to get inflamed. Like, you know, <laughs> today would be a whole lot better if my butt cheeks were larger. <laughs> you never think about that. And so they're normalizing this, folks. Oh, you know, it, it'll, it might happen and it's okay. I'm going to say something that I will probably get blasted for folks. We need to shut down giving vaccines to everybody. I don't care what kind it is until we can get the real proof of the efficacy and all of the potential side effects during a massive worldwide human trial testing under all kinds of circumstances and let the, 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 um, the, the people that are involved in it let them be a cross spectrum of people from every walk of life, every age, every race, every nation of origin, so that we can find out what the heck our government is putting in our bodies. This should have happened on the front end of all of this. And folks, it gets even worse. The mainstream media want us to think otherwise. The vaccines themselves are emerging as very substantial sources of morbidity and mortality themselves. 
This is the part that nobody wants to talk about because it's scary. While the degree to which these negative outcomes can be debated, and they can be still, there is no question that enough disease and death has already occurred that we should stop these vaccines until additional completely scientifically based research can look at and come up with the balance between some clear-cut side effects that we've been reporting here week after week compared to its potential and still unknown at this point ability to prevent COVID infections. Do you know that? We still don't have a fix on if any one of these shots, the three that are being used today here in the U.S. or even the four overseas. We don't have any clue that they are actually stopping the infection of COVID-19. In the middle of this, we realize enough vaccinations have already been administered to warrant a concern that a new pandemic of illness and death could very well be emerging from the side effects that continue to be documented in increasing numbers here every week, every day. So we have now a vaccine-induced culprit in the middle of all this that is now receiving most of the intention and is the focus of much new research. It's the COVID virus fragment that's known as what? We've given it to you before. We've talked about it here before. The spike protein. Spike protein, it's part of the vaccine. Its physiological impact on the body appears to be doing far more harm than good, which the good it's supposed to produce is antibody creation in our bodies. So our bodies will then naturally find, attack, and kill COVID-19. And the way that it's been put into this vaccine and it gets in our bodies appears to be fueling It's replication inside our cells, and it's going to stay there, and that's scary. It's an indefinite manipulation of part of our body that we did not know about. They didn't tell us about. I'm not trying to scare you folks. I'm trying to make everybody understand there's more there than we know. If you haven't gotten the vaccine... I'm not going to advise you, but I'm going to ask you to consider all the ramifications up and down, plus and minus. Go to your medical professional. If you don't have the one that you have that knows a lot about infectious diseases, there's someone in your place where you live, in your town, your city, or your state, that is an expert. Get both sides of the story before you or your loved ones get this vaccine. Seriously, check it out. And then we're dealing with this stuff. They're thinking, they're being the federal government, they're thinking about mandating vaccines. Hmm. The largest healthcare union, uh, think about this, healthcare workers, the largest union. Whether there is a legal challenge that we can make on whether our union members should be required by the employers to get these vaccinations or whether it's just an organizational challenge we can make, we're not going to just give in. That's the president of the SEIU, which is Service Employees International Union. That's a local in New York. Hundreds of thousands of nurses 
in CARES in New Jersey, Florida, Washington, Maryland, and Massachusetts are all part of this union. And it's the largest healthcare union in the country. We're not in agreement with the mandate for the vaccine. A hard-handed approach, he said, will not work, will only create greater frustration for the healthcare heroes who have been battling this pandemic every day for 15 months. And, of course, this is all in the wake of Houston Methodist Hospital, which is requiring every employee to have the vaccination. A, a big group of those employees actually filed a lawsuit. Initially, it was kicked out of court. It's on appeal. Folks, you listen to what I'm about to tell you. Listen closely. If this flies, if anybody, any government, for any reason or reasons, is ruled by the Supreme Court where this is going to head when it's tested. And it will be tested, I promise you. If it heads there, our liberties are totally on the line. That's the important thing. That's a wrap on the show today. Sterling Hill with us tomorrow morning. You don't want to miss it. Make sure people that you know that are interested in finding out all there is to know about different types of medicine regarding COVID-19 and our other immunological problems, make sure you join in. She'll be here at the bottom of the first hour, 9.30 or so tomorrow. Until then, thank you for being part of this every day. You're part of our family. You are family. Thanks for being there. We'll see you then. Truth News Network, TNN Live. So long, everybody. They paid paradise and put up a fucking line. With a pink hotel, a boutique, and a swinging hot spot Don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you got till it's gone It'd be a paradise and put up a fucking line They took all the trees and put them in a tree museum And they charged the people a dollar and a half to see them No, no you don't know what you got till it's gone You'd be in paradise and put up a fucking lie
Parking